Now, as we've talked about, games are fun. But in a game, most of the object of the game is that there's a winner and there's a loser. And so when you try to apply games to relationships, it usually destroys the relationship. Games become lethal, you know, in relationships. Uh, And so we're trying to find out what are games that we have the tendency to play in relationship that destroy the relationship. Because to win in relationships is to understand we are better together than what we would be without each other. And that's with God too. I am better with God and with other people than I am without him. And so that's to win in relationships. We're trying to find how do we strengthen that while eliminating some of the games that we find ourselves playing. Now, last week we talked about the change game. Now, the change game, you know, is if you would just think, behave, act, you know, uh, and talk the way that I think you should, then our world would go so much better. So just become more like me and everybody will be happy. And so that's the change game, not realizing that when you actually accept people for how God created and wired them, actually can bring about more change than you realize. Now, if you missed last week, I just encourage you to go online and check that out. Now, this week is uh, one of our favorites, uh, and I do mean our, because it's uh, if you can't get somebody to change, then we go to the second game, which is the blame game. Okay, the blame game, you know, is it's not my fault, it's your fault. Or uh, maybe that's not something that comes out of your mouth. Maybe it's something like this. I wouldn't have if you hadn't, right? I wouldn't have if you hadn't is the blame game. Now, it's so tempting to blame others for our choices or our circumstances where we find ourselves in life. Now, Understand that to blame others is incredibly toxic, toxic to relationships. Some of us are professionals at this. In fact, we literally get paid to either ascribe or deny blame that takes place. What do you call us? Lawyers. <laughs> hey, lawyers do this. is kind of their whole purpose of their job. In fact, I found this billboard from one lawyer that I thought would be good uh, to show you. Just because you did it doesn't mean you're guilty. Just because you did it doesn't mean you're guilty. So again, to ascribe or, you know, deflect, you know, blame onto one another. Now, in our society, this is so normalized. You know, have you noticed the news recently, right? Nobody's taking ownership of anything. We're all hypersensitive of everything, and it's never our fault It's somebody else's fault for our circumstances, situations, offense, or whatever it may be in our lives. And so through lawyers, we see this suing mentality that's gone off the hook. In fact, I found a couple recent cases, you know, uh, that has made our way through our judicial system in this idea of either ascribing blame, you know, uh, or deflecting it. Like, let me give you a couple of them. First one is a bank robber who gets shot after pointing a gun at a deputy, so he sues the city for medical bills. Like, it's the city's fault that he's there. It's not his fault, you know, that he got shot, even though it is his fault, but it's not. It's the, it's, it, it, so they need to pay for this. In Pennsylvania, there's a nursing student, fails a course twice, and sues the school for not helping with her anxiety. So in other words, I was so anxious about this, I failed because of how hard or whatever it is your class is, my anxiety is your fault. It's not mine, it's your fault. Or a Florida woman is suing FedEx for tripping over a package left at her doorstep. (laughs) 
Actually, a real case. Look these up yourself. I'm like, yep, FedEx's fault for putting the box in front of your door. You know, that's their, you know, again, that's what we do. This is my favorite, though. Portland man <laughs> sues Nike for $100 million for not including a warning label after beating a man with Jordans that sent the man to the hospital. So I, I had to open this up, and I had to read this a little further. So literally, he took off his shoe, and he beat a man with the shoe, and the guy went to the hospital because of that. So he thought, well, I shouldn't be blamed. If Nike had put a warning label on the shoes of Jordans that could be used as lethal weapon, then I never would have used that. That was his rationale. And that's the society. Welcome to America, people. This is what we live in. In fact, I asked this question on social media. What do you, when have you ever gotten blamed you know, for something? So on the other end, when have you ever gotten blamed? Here was just, just four responses. Bob said, many, many years ago, I was blamed by an anonymous call to the Hayden police of, quote, uprooting small trees in malicious vandalism. I had to laugh, well, after the whole slammed over the hood, almost arrested part. I was like, yeah, that would not be a fun experience blame taking place. Samantha said, I was blamed for throwing rice all over the inside of my sister's car, inside of the vents right after she got married. It wasn't me. It was grandma. <laughs> and then I got blamed again for putting the rice in her stocking. Not me. Still grandma. <laughs> Things that we blame for. Tom says, my dad sold a car. Didn't send the title info quickly enough because the police came to question him about a bank robbery in which he said the car was used as the getaway vehicle. I'm like, you can't make this stuff up. But uh, this, this last one's from Kristen. It says, the one time a few of us put honey on the doorknobs of a Valley Real Life's women's retreat and people blamed Tarina Williams for it. Oops. But she was very gracious about it. So those of you guys who've been around here for a while, you might know about that. Now, these things are a little bit silly, but we all really are professional blamers. And the blame game is as old as humanity. Go back to the Garden of Eden. God creates Adam and Eve. Everything's good. Everything, just don't eat this forbidden fruit. And yet serpent comes in, Eve comes in, takes a bite of the forbidden fruit, gives it to her husband, Adam. He bites it. Eyes opened. They recognize that their nakedness, which is recognizing shame is what they feel, you know, because of sin is now entered the world. So they sow fig leaves and they hide. God comes walking into the coolness of the day, and he says rhetorically, as a parent does to a child who already knows the answer, hey, where are you guys? Just to see their response to what is taking place. So Adam stands up and says, God, my bad. I ate the fruit. Shouldn't have done it. Put it all on me. Is that what he says? No. 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 In <laughs> fact, in Genesis chapter 3, this is exactly what he says. It was the woman you gave me. <clears throat> it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. You do notice that in one sentence, Adam blames the woman and then blames the person who created woman all in the same sentence. He says, woman, it is your, it is her fault. If you hadn't created, there it is. If you hadn't created her, she wouldn't have done this, which means I wouldn't have done this. If she didn't, I wouldn't have. The blame game starts. And so God does not correct Adam. He doesn't go on a tirade. He then just turns to the woman and says, what have you done? So her response, she takes ownership. No, the serpent deceived me. That's why I ate it. So she looks at the serpent, you know, Adam looks at, you know, Eve, and we've been blaming God and each other ever since. 
Think about it. The first words out of humanity when sin, fall, when, when sin comes into our lives is not my fault. God, it's your fault for my circumstances and situation. God, it's your fault that you let this happen. God, it's her fault, you know, obviously. And women have been afraid of snakes ever since. I don't know. You know, um, amen. amen. <laughs> this is so true, though. Look at your own lives. Ask kids, elementary age. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you have kids of your own. And when they get caught doing something that they don't want to admit doing, and you ask the question, why, they get pretty creative with their answers, don't they? Not their faults, their brother's faults, their sister's faults, their uncle's faults, your fault, you know, it's not their fault, or they just lie about it. In fact, um, um, I, we got a call from the elementary school about three months ago uh, from where my daughter's at. She's nine years old, you know, in first grade. And I uh, come to find out uh, she had kicked a boy in the face. And I was like, whoa, what in the world? She doesn't seem like a very violent person, so what, what is going on here? So my wife picks her up, you know, takes her home, and first she didn't want to talk about it, and then, you know, she said, well, well, what happened? Why did you kick him in the face? So finally she just got frustrated, and she just said, well, Mom, he was following me. So your violence is his fault, is what she, what she was saying. In other words, she kept saying, I told him not to follow me, and he kept following me. Now, she was on the monkey bars. And so the last time she told him to stop following me, she did a full-on, bam right into the chops, you know, like a bloody nose and all that kind of stuff. Not going to lie, I was a little proud. Let's be real. I'm like, and you do that to boys every time they follow you from now on. But <laughs> you just beat them, you know. But, you know, again, in her rational mind, I told him not to. He should have known that if he continued that this was going to happen, thus it's not my fault. Right? This doesn't change as we get older. Those of you guys who are in classes, teenagers, right? how many times we said, hey, why are you getting a bad grade in that class? Whose fault is it? It's the teacher's fault. Yeah, there's no logic that 94% of your classmates are passing, but you're the one that's not. So obviously, it's the teacher's fault for you getting that bad grade, and it continues. In fact, as we get older, I found this little clip that I thought illustrates, listen carefully, to how blame comes on right away. Go ahead and watch the screen with me now. How many of you are blamers? How many of you, when something goes wrong, the first thing you want to know is whose fault it is? Hi, my name is Brene. I'm a blamer. <laughs> Let me just tell you this quick story. So this is a couple years ago when I first realized the magnitude to which I blame. I'm in my house, I'm on white slacks and a pink sweater set, and I'm drinking a cup of coffee in my kitchen. It's a full cup of coffee. I drop it on the tile floor. It goes into a million pieces, splashes up all over me. And the first, I mean, a millisecond after it hit the floor, right out of my mouth is this. Darn you, Steve! <laughs> Who's my husband? Because let me tell you how fast this works for me. So Steve plays water polo with a group of friends. And the night before, he went to go play water polo. And I said, hey, make sure you come back at 10, because you know, I can never fall asleep into your home. And he got back like at 10.30. And so I went to bed a little bit later than I thought. Ergo, my second cup of coffee that I probably would not be having had he come home when we discussed. Therefore, and so the rest of that story is I'm cleaning up um, the kitchen. Steve calls. Caller ID. I'm like, hey. He's like, hey, what's going on, babe? <laughs> what's going on? Um, 
So I'll tell you exactly what's going on. I'm cleaning up the coffee that spilled all, like dial tone. Because he knows. How many of you go to that place when something bad happens, the first thing you want to know is whose fault is it? I'd rather it be my fault than no one's fault. Because why? Why? Because it gives us some semblance of control. But here, if you enjoy blaming, this is where you should stick your fingers in your ear and do the na-na-na-na thing because I'm getting ready to ruin it for you. Because here's what we know from the research. Blame is simply the discharging of discomfort and pain. It has an inverse relationship with accountability. Accountability, by definition, is a vulnerable process. It means me calling you and saying, hey, my feelings were really hurt about this, and talking. It's not blaming. Blaming is simply a way that we discharge anger. Did you catch it? Right? (laughs) Not my fault that I spilled the cup of coffee that got all over me. It's my husband's fault who would have gotten home at 10 o'clock. I would have gotten to sleep. I would only have one cup instead of two. The second cup is it, so it's his fault, not mine. It's so easy. If you think about for just a second, just over the last day, maybe even this morning, have you already ascribed blame? Just think about your day. Has it been anybody's fault for anything? Uh, yesterday. We, I mean, it might have to go 24 hours, you know, to actually get something very tangible if you can think about it in your, in your mind. See, we all make reasons for why it's not our fault. There's always a reason. See, I, I wouldn't have reacted that way if you hadn't talked to me that way in that tone of voice or however it was said. I'd be more responsible with money if you'd actually make a little bit more money, then I'd be more responsible with it, right? If my boss wasn't so overbearing, then I'd be home more often. It's my boss, my boss's fault. I'd worship more if it was more of the songs that I liked, but the way they're played, I can't worship like that. Now, I'd be more successful in my job if I had a better boss. If my friends weren't smoking it, then I wouldn't have smoked it. I wouldn't look at the computer if you'd actually met my physical needs more often, right? I wouldn't drink so much if you were actually more fun, and the list goes on and on and on. See, the Bible has a ton to say about this. The Bible has this ton to say where we, it's so easy to ascribe fault and blame onto someone else without looking at ourselves first. I mean, for example, have you ever gotten anything in your eye? You know, I just remember the last time was eyelash or one of those eye boogers or whatever it may be that just the contact wasn't right. You know, I have contact, so maybe that wasn't that. Wasn't it harder to see? Maybe that's not uh, illustrative enough. Maybe if I show you this. Okay, so the Bible says this in Luke chapter 6. I'm going to knock this over. Luke 6 says, And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye? When you have a log or a plank in your own, how can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the freck in your friend's eye. It's not easy to see, folks, and you know this to be true, and yet we think we can see so clearly what's taking place in somebody else's life not recognizing that we got a big old plank sticking out of our own eye. And so it's easy to ascribe blame. It's easy to ascribe, you know, uh, 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 fault, you know, on somebody else. i got to stop because it's hurting. <laughs> but we see this to be true in our lives. It's just so much easier to say, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. You, you, your fault, you've got issues, your thing, without looking at myself. Now, let me, let me make sure I say something. 
There's a difference between blaming and confronting. We need to confront. We're called to confront. We're called to love people enough to bring things to people's attention because of our care and love for them. The difference is, are we doing it out of their benefit and helpfulness to them in relationship with God and other people, or are we just irritated about, again, trying to get people to be more like us, trying to deflect what actually should come to us and onto them? That's the difference between blaming and confronting. Now, here's the problem with blame. You ready? If I blame, I stay the same. If I blame, I stay the same. So I'll stay the same in my relationship with God and my relationship with other people because it's not my fault. If I'm a continual blamer, then I have nothing that I need to work on. So it keeps me from improving my real relationships in which we all want to have real deep relationships, but we find ourselves hindered because as soon as we get mad, irritated, or frustrated, we pull out the blame card. Like, for example, I asked you to think of one thing that you've done maybe in the last 24 hours, maybe something that you do on a regular basis that's unhealthy in a relationship. What's one thing? If you can't identify it, you might be right here. I, I, I can't think of anything I do you know, in a relationship. So one thing, like, like I'm giving you an example, I know that for me, if I am stressed out or if I'm really, really busy, I have a hard time listening well and I have a hard time empathizing. And so I recognize that that's my issue, that's not their issue. See, that's something that I, I can bring detrimentally. And I can say, well, it's because I am busy, that's why. And then all I've done is I've blamed. Does that make sense? So think of that thing, you know, that you do on a regular basis. Now, when you think about that thing you do, why do you do it? Why do you do it? Uh, maybe another way to say it is whose fault is it that you do what you do? Let me help you. It's your fault. Okay? It's your fault. We actually really think that if it's 51% the, person, the other person's fault, that means 100% the other person's fault, so it's not my fault. I don't have to deal with this whatsoever. But you do realize there's always a part that you play. When I deal with marriage counseling, you know, on a regular basis, everybody comes thinking it's the other person's fault. Nobody says, well, it could be 90% his fault or 70% her fault. You still have a piece or a part to play. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> Ever woken up and just felt like today's going to be a good day? You're like, today's going to be awesome. So you go through your favorite coffee place, get your favorite drink, and you're on your way to wherever you're going, school, work, you know, see friends, whatever it may be. And then out of nowhere, some jerk, some moron, somebody who was obviously put in your life to ruin your perfect day cuts you off. You tap your brakes, spill a little coffee. Some not-so-friendly words come out of your mouth. Maybe some not-so-friendly gestures come out of the car. I don't know in your situation or circumstance what's happening. But now you're angry and you're upset. You get to work and everybody's looking at you and be like, man, why are you so angry and upset? And your thought response is, if he didn't cut me off, I wouldn't be angry. It's not true. You still have a choice in how you react to how other people treat you. You do realize we're going to be of bumping in, connecting to each other for the rest of our lives. And there, we have to get to the point where it's not always somebody else's fault for how you are acting or reacting to a situation or circumstance. And again, the problem is, is it holds me back. When I live in that mantra, it holds me back. It holds you back from growing. In fact, uh, if uh, uh, you've ever been told this, maybe it's a generational thing. Uh, when I was a kid, maybe 10 years old, 
People would always tell me, don't drink coffee because it would stunt my growth. Anybody ever hear that before? Okay, so it's not just a generational thing. Well, my grandmother's like four foot ten, and she would tell me this. And I'd be like, I don't want to ever be that short, you know, and so, you know, I, I, I freak, I wouldn't do that. The reason I mention that is if you drink blame, you're never going to grow. If you drink blame on a regular basis, you're never going to grow. It hinders you. Now, if I blame something or someone, then here's the issue. Then there's nothing for me to work on, you see. See, if it's always somebody else's fault, if it's always the government's fault, it's always my neighbor's fault, if it's always, you know, the church's fault, my spouse's fault, if it's always my work's fault, if it's always my teacher's fault, my friend's fault, if it's always somebody else's fault, then I don't have anything to work on. Because it's their fault. If they would conform, if they would do what's right, then things would be better since it's not my fault whatsoever. So then I'm actually hindering my growth because I'm ascribing blame to everyone in every circumstance. And when I get into that pattern, here's what you'll find in your life. You'll start leaving. You'll leave the neighborhood because of the neighbors. You'll leave the work because of the boss. You'll leave the school because of the kids. You'll leave your spouse because of him or her. You'll leave the church because of them And yet, here's what we realize, wherever I go, there I am, right? You still have to take you with you. Until until you take ownership, you won't become the person that God wants you to become in relationship with him and with other people. Now, I don't want to pretend for even a second that there aren't awful things that go out there, that happen out there. There are bad drivers. There absolutely are. There are bad bosses There's bad relationships, and there's even more horrific things than that. We live in a terrible, terrible, evil world where evil things happen. And some of you have experienced some of the most horrific things, abuse and otherwise, that have taken place in your life. And nobody is saying for even a second that that's your fault. But let me play this out for you. You take two people who've had that horrific incident that's taken place in their life, caused by someone else, completely outside of their control, but one person is moving on in life, while the other person continues to look back and says, well, the reason I'm the way I am today is because. And you're holding yourself back because you're still blaming, you're reacting to the awful thing that happened that's holding you back from becoming who God wants you to be. And so we want to let you free from that. We want to, we want to bring freedom in your life. That's our hope for some of you who've experienced horrific things in your past or even in your present. So how do we reduce the blame? How do we, how do we reduce it? I mean, we're not going to get rid of it. You know, it, if it's the first thing out of humanity, you know, it's probably going to continue. In fact, uh, you know, at uh, 8 o'clock, I had a guy that came up to me and said, hey, Dan, if you would just move services to 8.15, I'd be on time more. <laughs> I was like, yeah, tell that to 9.30. And then 11 o'clock, 11.30, some of you guys walking in. You know, I said, it doesn't matter. But he was just joking. We were just messing around at that time. So here's three ways, three ways that you can reduce blame. It's not going to be rocket science. It's going to be earth shattering. But imagine what happens if you actually apply it. So here's the first way. You have to own your part. You have to own your part. And we've said this before. In fact, uh, uh, a part of our men's ministry, we have these man bands, you know, uh, and, and it says real men accept responsibility. They don't blame. They accept responsibility. So whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, we take personal responsibility. And it's hard because when we have done anything that's wrong, we feel shame or the opposite of that. We don't want to admit we've done something wrong, which means we're feeling pride. And I can't admit because I would feel weaker or less than whoever I think I am. 
But humility is actually doing our part. To actually do our part and say, you know what? My, my part to play. Now, I do want to give you a little warning. There are some of you in here who are so adverse to conflict. You hate conflict almost more than anything else in your life. So unfortunately, your defense mechanism is that you own other people's parts. And so you just, you just take it on yourself because you don't want the conflict. So you're having conflict, and you're like, all right, fine, my fault. All right, my bad, my bad. You do realize that by living in that tension, you're actually enabling the other person to continue to play the blame game while you yourself develop a bitter root that's eventually going to come out at some point. And so you can own your part, but don't go a step further and own their part. See, just your, just your part. So our first is to own our part. Second, it's to bear with one another. In other words, recognize that all of us have faults. We have issues that we need to care for and be with one another. In Galatians 6.2, it says, share each other's burdens, and this way you obey the law of Christ. We live in an each other world. You're going to bump into each other. You're going to make mistakes. One of the things that continues to amaze me is when I accidentally, I don't do it on purpose, when I accidentally cut somebody off or when I accidentally do something I shouldn't do when I'm driving and to see the volatility of someone behind me as if I had done that and searched for them and gone after them and I start thinking to myself, I wonder if there was a camera that followed you all day if they would find at least one time in your life where you've made a mistake too. See, we ascribe blame on other people because we don't give grace to each other for going through life, knowing that you're going to say things you shouldn't say. You're going to do things you shouldn't do. And so are we there to bear that burden and that connection with one another? Let me give you an example. Have you ever been in a conflict where it escalates because of blame? You know, and so you're like, well, can you do this? Well, I would do this if you do this. And well, if you do this and you always do this, and I can't believe you said it might. And it just goes, escalates higher and higher. You do realize that the first person to de-escalate the conversation is the one to recognize either their fault or their part in the process. And all of a sudden it goes down, which leads us to the third one, which is to forgive one another. Well, the person hasn't asked for forgiveness. It doesn't matter. If you own your part, you're more ready and willing to say, here's my part. I'm going to bear this grievance with one another, bear the burden that we have with one another. I'm going to forgive one another, even if you don't ask, because I know it'll de-escalate a situation knowing that there is a part that I play, even if it's 10%. There's a part that I can own in the midst of the process, which goes back to our diamond rule that we talked about last week. Treat others the way that God has treated you. See, the golden rule is to treat others the way you would want to be treated, to ratchet up a notch. How much did God love, forgive, how many times is he patient, kind, caring, and he comes alongside even though we make mistake after mistake after mistake? That's awesome. So like I said, this isn't mind-blowing, but what would happen if you actually applied one of these three? What would happen in your relationships, in the city, in the state, in this country, if we actually would stop just blaming one another and actually started with our own ownership, said, here's my part I'm going to bear with one another, knowing that there's a part that you have as well, and then I'm going to forgive. So when I blame, I stay the same. So what step will you take to reduce the blame game in your life? The choice is yours, as always. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you, Lord, just for the, the challenge and the opportunity when it comes to this blame game. Father, thank you that you don't blame us that you want to forgive, that you want to walk the journey, that you'll confront us, that you'll discipline us, Lord, rightly so. But Father, 
all of that has been pushed to your son. So I pray right now you'd bring to heart and mind how much we blame, who we blame, and maybe, Father, just maybe, we'd surrender to you and allow you to help us in this blame game that will help our relationships with one another and with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.